0: Welcome in to Oklahoma Breakdown, a podcast about all things Oklahoma football uh, as well as basketball. I am Matt Ravis. Jack Shields, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good. Uh, in this episode, uh, we are, first of all, we are one week after Kyler Murray wins the Heisman Trophy. We are, at time of recording, two weeks away from the, uh, the matchup between Alabama and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Uh, what, were, what were the uh, the betting lines here? There was 14 points, correct? 14 right now, yeah. At time of recording and uh, 81.5 total?
1: Yeah, I believe that's the over-under, yeah. At this point, 81.5.
0: So, uh, Slam give, the over. Give our predictions, our actual score predictions at the end of the game, but I guess just or at the end of the podcast, rather.
1: We should do it at the end of the game. We'd get it right, probably. Yeah,
0: that would be a lot easier. I wish you could bet that way. That'd be um we may not be doing the podcast. Money. If, yeah, though I'd be done. No, yeah, I'd, be be in, <laughs> I'd be in I'd be in Vegas right now. or some shit. Absolutely. So um first things first, uh 14 points for Alabama, is that a is that a fair line? You think Oklahoma can beat that spread?
1: I think it's a fair line. I think Oklahoma can beat the spread, but I mean, it's I mean, I don't really see Oklahoma's defense getting too many stops, so I mean, I would definitely I'd definitely favor Alabama. I'd pick Alabama to win the game, but I mean, at the same time, OU's offense is going to find ways to score, so I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any means. So yeah, fourteen. Yeah, that seems reasonable.
0: I asked uh, Eric Evans, who we talked to later in this podcast of the Roll Bama Roll blog, what the upper point total for Oklahoma points would be uh, for the game that you think would win them the game. He said, or, about, or would make it like an interesting. Yeah, game. Yeah, make or, it at, at least a uh, get the, get the panic uh, meter rising for Alabama fans, Alabama players, coaches, etc. What would be the upper point total for you? For, for Oklahoma points that uh, you, you think that they would need?
1: Uh, in the high 40s, I would say maybe the low 50s. Because, I mean, this is, I mean, as good as the offenses you see in the Big 12 happen to be, This this group from Alabama doesn't really have much of a weakness offensively. So, you know, two is outstanding. That offensive line is dominant. That backfield is very underrated. The receivers are NFL caliber. I mean, it's the and the offense is more dynamic than it's been in the past as well. That's one of the luxuries of having a guy like Tua on the roster. So, you know, I yeah, I I would say that it's going to be a shootout because I'm also confident that Oklahoma can score as well. So. How
0: many combined third down stops and turnovers do you think Oklahoma's going to need in this game? Ooh, ooh, uh I mean, I would say probably 5. Six?
1: I Yeah, more than usual, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna they need would, a couple turnovers. Yeah, at least. they're gonna need a, they're gonna need some momentum swinging plays of some sort. I mean, I, I would say, you know what? I bet four or five stops would potentially get the job done, but I'm not that confident in them getting that many stops. No, so.
0: it's it, it's feasible that they don't stop that yeah. offense. Um, <laughs> it's it's they, yeah. they're just that good, and the defense is just that bad, unfortunately. Um, I do think it'll be more... They did
1: do well against Texas, like, as far as uh, schematically. I I mean, you've got to tip the hat to Ruffin for what he did uh, switching over to the uh, more of a 4-3 hybrid scheme instead of the uh, nickel scheme that you saw against Texas in the first matchup. And it obviously didn't help anything in the passing game, but, I mean, you sort of neutralized what Sam Ellinger was doing with the run and what Texas did with the run in general. So taking that away and sort of taking away Texas' bread and butter, that uh, that was pretty impressive on McNeil's part. And that won the game, so... That was uh that was good. I don't know what he has up his sleeve for this Alabama offense, but you know, I'm maybe they can surprise us. So,
0: I don't know. I still think it's a far more interesting game than the other college football playoff yeah, matchup, Clem- which is Clemson, Clemson and Notre is going Notre
1: Dame. to rail Notre Dame.
0: Oh, absolutely. I've never been a believer in Notre Dame all season long. Absolutely so. throttle Notre Dame. So, yeah, I still think Alabama Oklahoma uh, I think there's going to be more eyeballs on that. I think it's going to be yeah. going to be more fireworks, and it's
1: going to be in prime time too. I mean, hopefully it's it'll be a be... closer game. That this uh, we'll this just... might be one of the highest-rated non-national championship college football games that you're going to see in years. I mean, years from now and years in the past. I mean, it's it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs. I mean, the contrasting styles plus it's the uh, top two finishers for the Heisman Trophy and all that stuff. There's an endless amount of storylines. People are going to watch, Ky- want to watch Kyler Murray. I mean, he's becoming quite a sensation. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be way more eyeballs than the first game for sure. I don't know how many people actually care outside of those two fan bases about that first game, honestly. So,
0: Absolutely. Um, any other New Year's Day-ish bowl games that you're – really really excited about
1: oh i mean i i would have been much more excited for the fiesta bowl if not for uh McKenzie milton being out but yeah that that sucks it that, really
0: it really sucks for for everybody especially ucf fans but yeah no i agree uh, i'm
1: trying to think uh florida michigan does not interest me at all i think georgia That's texas meaningful. is going to be an interesting. that the, i think it'll be interesting the it'll be the fun i don't think Bowl, I don't think Texas really has much of a chance in that game. No, I don't I mean. think so. I, I think Georgia's super. They're they're pretty legit. Jake Fromm is so underrated. He's a he's way more than just a game manager. I mean, he's a legitimately a very accurate and poised quarterback. I mean, he's he's a talented guy. So how about
0: uh, Iowa State, Washington State? That's, that's one that I
1: am really intrigued by. And Iowa State is gonna roll, 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 roll out to that game as as much as. As much as their uh, the size of their fan base allows, essentially they they're serving Bush Light in the Alamo Dome just for this game because Iowa State people are coming. That's I've, pretty cool. Yep. No, you I, you uh, remember our guest from Wide Right Natty Light talking about yep. Bush Latte? hmm And uh, yeah, it's 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 very 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 much a thing for those
0: people. And I've got Iowa State fans who are. They're gonna,
1: there's gonna be so much demand for that Bush Latte yes. that. They're actually just going to serve it in the Alamo Dome. That's pretty cool. I've got Iowa State I'd like fans in family, so oh, I, nice. I think that they'll be there
0: for sure. That would Drink be fun to go to.
1: Like I would. I mean, the you'd pregame uh, on the Riverwalk, and I mean, you can walk walk from the Riverwalk to the Alamo Dome. It's a bit of a trek, but it's doable. I did it for the I guess it was the O seven Big Twelve Championship game against Mizzou when OU stomped them. That was pretty fun. But yeah, the uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool environment
0: for a football game, honestly. Uh, Certainly is. So, there you go. I mean, that, honestly, other than those matchups that I just mentioned, there's not really many it's other bowl matchups. not that of a
1: bowl season. I think
0: honestly. it's just a down year for college football in in, in general. Yeah, kind I, of. I I I think it's kind of fair to say that at this point in the season. Yeah, there
1: wasn't that much drama throughout the season. I mean, they it obviously had its moments, but I mean, it was The
0: teams in the college football playoff were in a, a tier, you know, under themselves. I mean, Georgia had an argument to be in the college football playoff. Basically,
1: Oklahoma is the only thing that could save this from being one of the most boring seasons in recent memory, honestly.
0: Completely um so I I I do think though um, the fact that Kyler Murray wins the Heisman, like you said, that that certainly adds some fuel to Alabama. Gives them some. They'd bulletin. be motivated anyway. It'll though, give them I mean, some bulletin a, board material. You know that uh, yeah. that's that Saban will use that a little bit. I heard that Saban brought in I'm, DJ Durkin by the way, disgraced uh, and fired. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Maryland about coach. That. I mean,
1: I guess I mean Bama's actually starting to catch some heat for that. So I mean, which. Bama seems to be above that kind of thing as far as catching too much heat for it. I mean, I feel like other people would get slammed for that a bit more than Nick Saban does, but he's catching some justified heat for it. Oh, I no, mean, yeah, absolutely. It was Dan Wilkin wrote wrote something about it. It was pretty scathing. So, and if, they had a they had an opportunity to answer Dan Wilkin's questions and they didn't do it. They chose not to get out in front of the message, and now Bama's going to be dragged for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's bad PR on their part. Yes, it is. Uh, one more thing before we get to our interview, um, Jack. The Heisman ceremony last week, um, the Vegas odds had kind of shown us who was going to win that thing. Kyler yeah. became the odds-on favorite at that point. Vegas we didn't sure, mess around. No, no, they don't. They 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 don't lose. I mean, they lose money, but overall, they're going to make more money than they uh, than they lose because that's their business, and they're really, really good at it. Um, but you know, I thought it was going to be a a tighter race than it was, but, but Kyler Murray in in just about every single region. Yeah, he pulled pulled away from Tua uh, barely well. won the Southeast, just I mean, barely even. Yeah, yeah,
1: I mean that's that's pretty impressive. And Kyler
0: notched obviously all the other uh, the other regions, so it was interesting. And then uh, what what do you make of? Um, don't want to spoil too much, but uh, our, our our guest talked about a Heisman. Not controversy is not maybe the right way to put no, that. No, I but mean just, a, a, a just boney had to a... pick with the Heisman ceremony. Yeah, I
1: mean, I his complaint was that defensive players, especially dominant ones, don't really get a fair shake and don't get enough media play. I mean,
0: and Damakong Sue should have won the Heisman the year that he was he was up on stage. I thought I, so. Too. I believe yeah.
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely believe that. But um, unfortunately, I mean, not, not that Mark a... Ingram wasn't great, but I mean, I, I think Sue would have been the. Uh, he was the best player in college football. And there were lots
0: of players that year with, with arguments for and, that award. You know,
1: I I think Kyler Murray deserved to win the Heisman, obviously, but uh, you know, I he made a very good point about Quinn Williams too. He is one of the best uh, defensive players I've seen in a very long time. So, and then he won the Outland Award. So he's, yeah, he's fantastic. He is a dominant, dominant, dominant defensive lineman, and uh, even OU's very, very, very good offensive line, one of the most dominant offensive lines in the country, arguably the most dominant offensive line in the country, gonna have their hands full like they haven't in uh, quite some time, not since they played Ohio State last year, I guess, So, or maybe even Georgia. I, I would i give the nod to Ohio State, though, over Georgia's defensive front, so that was pretty beastly, but uh, no, Quinnen is
0: He's a monster. Yeah, I mean the Heisman award. Let's just not even pretend anymore. It's going to go to the quarterback of. The, yeah, of the and it's going to go to
1: Tua next year. I don't know why Bama fans are complaining so much because if Tua stays healthy in 2019, that award is going to be handed to him on a silver platter. You know, I mean, it, it's
0: it almost seems predetermined at this point. Ten percent of you know Heisman voters have their votes in before the conference championship week, and I mean. Probably conceivable to think that a lot of those, the majority of those, went to Tua already. Yeah, it was really the conference championship weekend that changed the perception. when to you know. Basically, he didn't get benched. He was hurt, but you know, in, in a way, uh, he he was not very good that entire game. And Jalen Hurts coming in and won them the thing. And that's almost he what, was hurt though. I mean, he, he that, yeah,
1: there's play. a legitimate gripe there, but I mean, he was he was definitely hurt. He got hurt on the fourth play of the game, but uh, and then got really hurt. Uh, I guess in the third quarter. But yeah, like I said, uh you know kyler had his heisman moments so to speak so uh what it comes tua down to. didn't have that so it is
0: an it's a narrative award i'll put it that way more than anything else although a, i i mean
1: i award. i think there's there's merit to it too i mean kyler had to make plays in every game tua you know he's you can argue that he was the best player in college football this year but i you know at the same time jalen hurts could have won them twelve games this year. Yeah, the margin games, of so. error between the two quarterbacks yeah, was it's, pretty yeah.
0: considerably different. Razor thin for Kyler Murray and uh, Tua two I barely had to play in any fourth quarter. So Exactly. Uh all right, without further ado we are gonna get into our guest, Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll. He is the site manager there. Uh great conversation with him about all things Alabama football. Previewing this Oklahoma Alabama matchup that's coming up next on Oklahoma breakdown. All right, so now we bring in our man Eric Evans from Roll-Bama Roll. He is the site manager, uh, like I said, for Roll-Bama Roll. Roll. That's SB Nation's Alabama football community. Eric, thanks for joining us tonight.
2: Oh, glad to have you here. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just really, really excited. Cannot wait for these two teams to match up. Uh, Seems like forever. It'll be here before we know it. So, yeah, I, I cannot wait for this game.
1: So, let's start this off by beating a dead horse All three of these Heisman finalists last week had their own individual strong cases. And, you know, as an Oklahoma fan, someone who watched every game of Kyler Murray, I personally felt that he deserved the Heisman. But from your perspective, why do you think Tua deserved it?
2: I don't think that Tua deserved it. I I, I think the best player in the country was not on the stage, and that was Quinnen Williams.
1: No, ah, he is uh, yeah, great. Yeah, there you go. From,
2: literally, literally from the first snap of Louisville until the final snap of <clears throat> Georgia, he dominated every series he was in. Um he had the most dominant performance by a defensive lineman since Domicon Sue. Sue at least got on the stage. Quinn Williams right. finished eighth. And that was that was actually just a a, tra- a travesty. So I mean, I I think that an Alabama guy did get the shaft, but it was the wrong
1: one. So, <laughs> That is not what I expected, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the guy won the Outland for a reason as a redshirt sophomore. Do you think he's gone after this playoff, I would assume?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's he's absolutely gone. Jonathan Allen um, said two years ago to keep an eye out on Quinn and Williams. Williams actually was a defensive end. He got moved to the inside after Deron Payne left for the pros. Uh, he's not even playing his natural position. Um uh, but I, I think, you know, when you've got defensive end skills that you can bring on the inside and that kind of strength and that slippery, I, I think he's gone. I mean, Most people have him going in the top three or four. Some have him projected as high as two behind Bosa. I, there's no way he comes back.
0: You know, Alabama has had a, a ton of good defensive players over the years. I don't need to tell you that. Um, under Nick Saban, does, obviously you have a high opinion of Williams. Is he number one in your mind?
2: I, I don't know. I, it depends on you know, sort of, sort of the defense that you have. Um, you know, every, probably my favorite defender was Eddie Jackson, and I think you've seen what he's doing with the Bears, and you know, he's just he's around the ball constantly, and he generates turnovers and then turns them into scores. I am fully convinced Alabama does not lose to Clemson in the last second if Eddie Jackson in the game.
1: Interesting. Now, switching the topic back to Tua, he's obviously a special talent. What about his skill set in particular separates him from some of the previous Alabama signal callers under Nick Saban?
2: Well, I think it's what separates him from most college players. Um, He has NFL accuracy. He makes a read and throw in about 1.2 to 1.7 seconds on average. Um, when he get when he got hurt, he started taking longer, and I think you saw that the last four or five games, where he was taking three seconds or so. In particular against Georgia, when he was really banged up, you know, he was, you know, waiting too long to get rid of the ball, and you know, wasn't really stepping up into his throw, and was able to get, you know, by delaying was able to get baited into some things that um, the Georgia secondary was doing, but you know he's he's preternaturally smart and then has got just pinpoint accuracy Uh, brilliant accuracy he's been helped out of course by on a few passes that he's missed by having the wide receiving core that Alabama does but he's so fast with the read at the line so fast to get rid of the ball and then when he does get rid of it it's, it's in out gone and it's 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 nfl level quarterbacking i i'm not sure if you've read you know the stories from nfl quarterbacks like present ones where you know, drew Brees is calling the kids special i mean i think that tells you something
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely now alabama's offense as a whole has been fantastic all around this season but the backfield for the first time in a while seems to be sort of the overlooked uh Aspect of the offense, for, uh, despite rushing for over 200 yards a game, uh, what do the two Harrises and Tulsa McLean's own Josh Jacobs bring to the table for this team?
2: Well, let's start. Let's start with with Josh Jacobs. Um, when he signed three years ago, I, I read a story up about how he was going to be everyone's favorite player. He's just a he's a neat kid. And he's a he's a good, smart guy, and he was you know overlooked. Mm-hmm pretty much shamefully by everyone. You know, in this day in this day and age it's hard to overlook a recruit, you know, with that kind of talent. These guys are, you know, dissected and in and out of camps from the time, you know, they're eleven years old. Um, so it's rare to have a, a true diamond in the rough. He's probably the most versatile back that Alabama has. Um Saban has praised him since he was a true freshman. He runs with the most power. He's got the best hands out of the backfield. He's the most physical blocker, and he's probably the best return man too. He just does everything so well. I mean, he reminds you of a prototypical running back that you know guys like Bill Belichick love. You know, does a little bit of everything really well. Um, Najee Harris is uh, imagine Derrick Henry with better feet. Uh, That's pretty he's, scary.
0: Yeah he's, yeah,
2: he's 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 really he's balletic. He's you know can run a serious you know, tight rope, but unlike Henry, though he he likes to lower his shoulders. Um, Henry saved a lot of wear and tear on his body in college by stepping out of bounds. I don't remember the last time I've ever seen Naji step out of bounds. Um, he he likes to likes to lower the boom, but because you know these guys are splitting so many carries, there's not any particular load on any one person. Uh, Damian Harris is he's kind of like trying to think of a a quarterback analog, maybe Aaron Murray from Georgia. He's one of the most decorated players in sec history that no one ever really thinks of Damian Harris is second behind Bo Jackson in yards per carry for a career. He's uh, just eight tenths of a yard behind Bo Jackson. And he's got a chance to have a thousand yards for every, every year of his career. Um, He's probably, you know, the most polished, complete running back. Yeah, just like a pure standard running back. But Josh Jacobs is the one that you're going to see a lot of. He's he's Tua's best friend. He's in the game and sees a lot of snaps to keep that guy healthy.
1: You know, in Oklahoma's defense, they've done pretty well for themselves as far as running back recruiting is concerned, but mm-hmm. Oklahoma did get in on Josh Jacobs inexcusably too late. I mean, he's right in your own backyard, and I mean, I feel like if they had gotten to him maybe in the fall at some point, he could have ended up in Norman, but the fact that they, you know, offered him in January, right around the time that Bama and Missouri did, I mean, that's uh, that's something you've got to kick yourself on a little bit, but I mean, like I said, Oklahoma's done fine for themselves, but he's, he's a fantastic player who definitely would have played a big role here, but switching over to the defense, Bama has been its dominant self, and uh, other than in Williams, who we already talked about. What are some of the names that uh, Oklahoma fans should familiarize themselves with before the Orange Bowl? And outside of Williams, who do you think has the highest professional ceiling?
2: Oh, uh, the highest professional ceiling, probably uh, it's going to be Deontay Thompson. Uh, he's the his safety. He's He's gone. He's a first-round pick. Um, you know, he's He's in the mold of of you know he, he hits like Ha Ha Clinton Dix but has better ball skills, um, much more fluid back there with the ball in the air, and you know he's done a great job shutting down you know, functionally half the field and he's made a completely revamped defensive back core where all six guys had graduated or gone to the NFL. I mean he's he's manned the forward and has made that unit a lot better. Than it should have been, particularly with you starting true freshman on the outside and um, a converted wide receiver at one corner before he got hurt. So Deontay Thompson's made a lot of money this year. That's the that's the name to keep an eye on. Um, But there's another name to keep an eye on for Ill, and that's going to be Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses is he plays inside linebacker and he is you know he's a fantastic run blocker. He's really good at uh, you know, shedding blocks and getting to the ball carrier. He's good at pressuring the quarterback. <laughs> he is miserable in pass coverage. And uh, I think you're going to see in this game a lot of what you saw with um, Georgia. They particularly did a very good job of exploiting it and said it'll miss early in the game. <laughs> you know, They're going to, to try and clear out and put receivers, slot guys, tight ends, backs, you know, make Dylan Moses play play pass play pass coverage, and he's going to get picked on a lot. So keep an eye on 32. I think he's going to have a have a rough game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. But um, as far as confidence heading into this one, how confident do you think Bama fans are at this point? I mean, are people expecting the defense to? sort of handle the Oklahoma offense relatively speaking, or are people anticipating a, a close one?
2: I think people, most people expect that Oklahoma will get their get their share of points. You know, it's 28, 31, somewhere through there. It's the other side where the confidence really comes from.
1: It's justified. And yeah,
2: I mean, I, I don't know that honestly Oklahoma's starting defense gets a stop against a healthy Alabama offense, not one time. And I'm not. That's saying, honestly
1: my fear. No, that's not an insult. No, I mean, it's, it's very reasonable. I, that is my same fear over on this end.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where the confidence comes from. I mean, Oklahoma is going to exploit some mismatches; they're there to be had. Um, if you can get, you know, single coverage on number 15. Um, if you get Alabama into their depth, if you can pick on the linebacking core underneath. And I think all those things will be able to, to be done where, you know, they hit a couple of shots deep early and some of the guys have to turn their back to the play and it gives you know, Murray time to scramble. Um, you know, there'll be some busted plays. There'll be some big plays. Oklahoma will, will score. <laughs> I don't know that they can stop this offense from scoring and I think that's where people are, are confident about.
1: That's why I'm picking Alabama. Matt, are you picking Alabama?
0: I, I mean, I think so, too. Yep, I there we go. I, would as well. let me, I guess let me put, ask you this way. Uh, in, in, I, I am, in, in, am interested to see the Oklahoma defense versus Alabama offense, even though, uh, to your point, I think it's going to be a slaughter. What would be the upper point total that the Bama defense could give up to OU's offense that would uh, make you concerned that that, that uh, uh, Alabama would lose this game?
2: Um, anything above 45. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, going through the splits, um, you know, cranking it through through a magic multivariate database, I keep, I keep getting numbers generated like 60 to 31, 66, 35. And I'm not sure that that's too uncharacteristic. Um, but I think you know, if Alabama jumps out early, especially with so many injured guys, it's not going to be a run it up thing. I think you're going to see a lot of clock try and run off. But if Alabama gets in the position where, you know, they're giving up 44, 45 points um, and you're having to play a big 12 kind of game, that would concern me. But uh, you know, I, I think we're going to get to the position where, you know, just, you know, one or two stops a quarter is going to, going to change the game.
1: Now, During Saban's tenure, Bama's obviously been able to go to, you know, on plenty of high-profile bowl trips over the years. So have you been able to make any of those trips?
2: Yeah, I've gone to several.
1: cool. So if you had to rank the New Year's six bowl trips by desirability, how would you rank them?
2: Well, the Rose Bowl is first. Um, Just, you know, for reasons of of history, that's where – you know, the entire the entire jumping-off point of Alabama football begins in the 20s in the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, the 20s and 30s. Uh, it was Alabama winning, I think, four or five of them was the reason why the Rose Bowl stopped inviting um, teams from the Southeast and Southwest and just made it a, a Pac-12, Big Ten, you know, uh, They they made it an exclusive party. So, and then in 2009 against Texas, after a very long 15 years wandering in the woods, also in the Rose Bowl, you know, that one matters a lot. Um, As far as, like, individual matchups, I'm looking forward to this one because, you know, it is probably the first time that... Well, certainly in the last 17, 18 years where um, you know both teams are, are missing a, a key guy or two, but for the most part, you know you're talking 90% healthy rosters and the game actually means something. Neither team's on probation. and I'm still really salty about 2001, to be honest. really salty about 2001. I got you. And plus, you know, it was sort of like like Texas and Notre Dame and um, and Oklahoma, you know, in the the seventies. Bear Bryant had a fantastic record, but did not fare well against the other national powers in the sixties and seventies. And so, sort of. To to try and even that ledger because I think Alabama's one four and one or one and five against Oklahoma all the time. I, th-
1: I think the only win came when Joe Namath was the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's not a good record, and the 2009 win against Texas is the only one that Alabama's ever had against Texas. So I mean, I think it would be nice to be alive <laughs> when Alabama <laughs> or if Alabama can beat Oklahoma,
1: that would be nice. I got you, but uh. Okay, who is your favorite Bama alum outside of athletics?
2: Mm, Let's see. Probably Robert Van de Graaff. Interesting guy. Um, He was a a physicist, and he invented the Van de Graaff generator, and really sort of he's the, the intellectual father of the hard sciences. On campus, and he yeah, was a pretty well-renowned guy in his own right. I think the fact more people, actually in Alabama, don't know who he is is probably probably a shame. I mean, you know, <laughs> the campus is dotted with names of old politicians and uh, you know, all sorts of luminaries like that, but we really don't have a Van de Graaff Hall, and we should have one.
1: Gotcha. Now, for OU fans who haven't interacted with Alabama fans, and now, me personally, I'm quite familiar with Alabama fans, having lived in Pensacola for a little bit, but for <sighs> people who aren't quite as familiar with your fan base, what should, I guess, Oklahoma fans who are traveling to this game know about them?
2: Um, it's, you know, it's pretty equal on the Cretan scale. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs>
1: That's what I, mean, I assume, yeah, yeah. It's definitely true.
2: It's uh, it's it's gonna be gonna be kind of kind of ragged. The good thing is it's in Miami, which is not a cheap destination. No, it's not, uh, especially on New Year's. Um, so you're not going to be you're not going to be dealing you know with a, you know, Joe Gump from Selma, necessarily. Um, <clears throat> you're gonna have you know the sort of older, more affluent crowd. But just because you have got money does not mean that you can't be a redneck with money. Oh, um, yeah,
1: we know that firsthand yes. here for sure.
2: I mean, I've got I've got an uncle who went to you and would to you on now, is, uh, kind of a higher up in one of the state agencies there, and uh, yeah, he can he can he can boomer center with the best of them. So I mean, <laughs> it's a uh, you know if 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 you're used to dealing with the sort of the alumni crowd at Oklahoma, <laughs> just make the red a bit darker. And I think that's that'll give you an idea of what to expect.
1: That's been my experience. And I mean my interactions have largely been positive when OU and Bama have met in games. The Sugar Bowl, you guys were super hospitable. It was essentially a Bama home game and you guys were classy as hell about it, so that was kind of refreshing. But uh you know, you're a Memphis guy, correct?
2: Uh well I'm I'm a Memphis transplant, but I've been there for six you. years. So Okay, amazing.
1: so what's your favorite place to eat in memphis
2: oh man that depends on what you're in the mood for um we'll just go with barbecue then because okay. I, I assume that's what everyone wants um gus's you know,
1: is great though in its own right with a chicken place you, are you a gus's fan
2: i do like gus's hell um, yeah I, I don't like anywhere that i have to drive to get to gus's but gotcha. <laughs> it's it's you know i live out in the the suburbs and um, you know so getting to augustus is pretty difficult <clears throat> you know there's there's a restaurant that really divides both locals and barbecue purists and it's rendezvous you know, the the original memphis rib joint right off of Beale. <clears throat> when it is on it is spectacular um when a few a few months ago you know sat down it was kind of busy so they gave us you know some lanyard bread and, you know, some delicious barbecued red beans and rice. And the ribs were fantastic. Everything was amazing. But I've gone sometimes and it's been, you know, just you know, merely average, especially for, you know, the price point.
1: Eric, Let's I'm go. glad you cleared that up with Rendezvous because I've been to Rendezvous one time and it was apparently at a point when it was off because I've been trashing it ever since.
2: <sighs> yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to... That's the problem. I mean, you never know what you're going to get or, or who's going to get it. Um, it's gotten better the last year or so, and it's certainly gotten better since I've moved there in 2012. But it, it, we'll just go for something that never, ever fails. Um, Central Barbecue.
1: Bam, there you go.
2: Yep. Go to Central on Central, the original one. there in Midtown, and it is it is fantastic. I mean – yeah, with Archibalds and uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma Joe's, it's probably the best pulled pork you'll find in
1: America. So better than Oklahoma Joe's. Oklahoma Joe's is damn good. So.
2: Oh no, no, I I said it's up there with it. I mean. It, okay, gotcha. Well, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's it's in the top three.
1: Oh, okay, there you go. That's pretty high praise, though. Yeah, it, but yeah, it, I've had it. It's pretty damn good. The ribs are damn good too. They uh, like I said, Rendezvous. Like I had the you know the typical you know Memphis dry rub ribs and. Mm-hmm. The meat was too damn dry, from what I remember. But then I went to Central, and it was perfect. So I mean, I well, guess Corky's?
2: A... Corky's has probably the best dry ribs in town. Really? Yeah, I mean, you look at them, and it just falls off the bone.
1: Hell uh, yeah! That's and... that's where I'm going next time, then.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if you go to Corky's, definitely. I'm not a, as big a fan of the sauce. I mean, a lot of the <laughs> the local places use a molasses base, but I mean, at Corky's, you don't need sauce. I literally just look at them and they fall apart.
1: So that sounds sexy as hell. So yeah, I think I'm down for that. So uh, moving back to football, sort of, which Alabama national championship team is your favorite?
2: You know, I I, I got some of your questions probably about five minutes before you you phoned. Oh damn! And, uh, and I was trying I was trying to think of this. Um, you know what? I'd like to say, but your 2012 was really rewarding because it was against Notre Dame. And, you know, if those two fan bases just simply do not like one another. And it's, it's I don't think
1: anyone likes Notre Dame. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, but it's, it's we don't get along with them either. It's been a century long pissing match we've had with them. Um, So that was, that was rewarding. Uh, two thousand eleven, which is more a coronation because I don't think a single Alabama person thought that they were gonna lose a rematch with LSU. They outplayed LSU. <clears throat> you know, five missed field goals decided that game. Um, two thousand nine was out of the blue. Uh, you know, how a team with, you know, no passing game and a nineteen ninety five defense. And, you know, two running backs, you know, can, can run the table was, was pretty special. I'm going to go with 1992, though. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was, an, you know, after another period of, of wandering in the woods. <clears throat> and this was during the SEC's, you know, arguably the lowest ebb. Um, I think at one point, either one year or two years before then, <clears throat> um, 11 of the 12 teams at the time had been on probation, and you know, it just was not, it did not have a good national brand. <laughs> Alabama you know, was sort of, you know, they were, looked a lot like 2002 Ohio State. <laughs> you know, they had a game manager quarterback, one running back, <laughs> and a defense that made a lot of plays and just was not getting very much respect nationally. And part of that, you know, was the conference, and part of it was, you know, the weaknesses of the team. And then to just, you know, go to the Sugar Bowl and absolutely smoke, you know, Gino Toretta and the Miami Hurricanes, (laughs) you know, it was as thorough and old-school Alabama beat down as you could want to see. So I'm going to go with that one.
1: Nice. Now, what's one thing about the University of Alabama that you think Oklahoma fans should know about?
2: Um. Hmm. Well, I mean, well, first of all, it's no longer made of the majority of Alabama students. The major, the majority, the majority of, of students come from out of state now. Um, you know, like Oklahoma, it's not just a, a one sport uh, you know, campus either. I mean, you know, like you, it's a gym and softball as well. <clears throat> I think you probably have a beat in baseball though um,
1: yeah, maybe we kind of up and down on that. Yeah, I mean
2: we've we've just. Kind I of... think
1: o- o- OU did take the series back last spring, though. I think I remember correctly, two out of three. So there you go. Kyler Murray yeah. went zero for eight, though. Well, I,
2: I hope he starts that way on the twenty nine. that <laughs> would make <it. laughs>
1: No, I mean it's,
2: I mean, it's, it, 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 it it's a it's a gem in the middle of you know. It's it's an international campus in the middle of you know the western plains of Alabama and Appalachia. Um, you, know, you go 15, 20 minutes in either direction, and you're either in you know the old farm country, or you're in coal mining country, and you cross the river and you are actually like in real Alabama, right? and so it's it's incredibly insular. You know, it's not exactly you know like like Norman. In Oklahoma City where that entire corridor and you know it's a lot like like Lincoln and Omaha is <laughs> yeah you know, you've got everything that is sort of is built to serve yeah you know, the campus I mean, in this case while Tuscaloosa largely is, is centered around the university you go you know a few hundred yards off of campus and you're just in a different world and you know that's both good and bad I mean it's lost a lot of its a lot of its a little you know regional character lately. <laughs> but it's a very good place to, to get an education. It's a very good place to go and just <laughs> live a different kind of world. So that would be it.
1: There you go. Who's the greatest musician the state of Alabama has ever produced?
2: Lionel Richie. There you go. Uh you know, I've you probably and I'm sure people want me to to stand for Jason Isbell, who I grew up with.
1: Hey, he's really wait, really?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was growing.
1: Yeah, he's my favorite.
2: Um, I think he is. (laughs) He is the redneck Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan,
1: dude. I. (laughs) <laughs> I say that about his live show. He has Springsteen energy. As that's really shows. that's really apt. It's that's very apt. Yeah, that is a perfect descriptor.
2: Well, and it's not just the live show and the fact. Yeah, I mean, it's, people, it's the
1: subject material. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: he's a storyteller. Yeah, and you know that's probably the best analog to it. I mean, he's probably the best storyteller. Um, but I, I'm going to go with the best all around musician is probably going to be Lionel Richie.
1: Well, there you go. That's there's not too much to argue with there. I would go with Isbel, but I'm I guess I'm biased there. But anyway, one last question, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a tough one, and it's kind of a stupid one, honestly. But Bear <laughs> Bryant or Nick Saban?
2: Oh, I, I don't. You know, four or five years ago, it would have been tough. Right now, it's not tough. It's, okay. it, it's Nick Saban without a question. Um,
1: Is he going to hold the same like legend status that Bear Bryant had? You know, with the uh, houndstooth hat and all that shit I mean it, it's is he gonna be that type of icon
2: see I don't know because there were some so much other cultural stuff you know sort of wound up in the bear. you know it, it depending on you know like I said this was you know old Alabama where it was you know a, an insular place with you know lily white teams and fighting the northern hegemony and, you know, that still is really powerful and visceral for a lot of rural people in the state. And I don't know that, you know, Nick Saban's ever going to quite capture that, especially because he has been you know, so good on supporting you know players based on you know, their politics or their race. And Bear Bryant could have ended integration in the state a decade earlier. He just had to say something very publicly, and he did not. <laughs> so, you know, anytime you're getting into the cultural part, I mean, I don't know that Nick Saban's ever going to do that. But as far as, you know, actual coaching acumen, you know, it goes back to something I said earlier. Bear Bryant lost a lot of bowl games. He was 500 in bowl games against comparable powers. Nick Saban just does not lose often to teams that are as good as the one he brings on the field. And in this day and age, when everyone's under a microscope, everyone's got athletes. There are scholarship restrictions. Um, it's just its so much harder to build a consistent program and do it well against some of the best-trained athletes on the planet. It's the consistency of his team every game that sets them apart from everyone else. That's what makes college football so difficult and so maddening. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. With Alabama, you generally know what you're going to get, and I think that sets them apart on the field from Bear Bryant.
0: You got anything, Matt? No, I mean that was that was fascinating though. I didn't expect a uh, like a cultural breakdown between those two. I'm glad that you you brought that up though. That's not not something I had ever even even thought about.
2: Yeah, well, I didn't even think about it until just now. But yeah. um, I mean, no, <laughs> well it's, done. It's it's something you know that that I, I think most most of us around here have thought. Um, you know, because I, yeah,
0: it, I mean, it, Bear Bryant's still a, a folk hero, and I I know that time you know separation from that can can do that for guys. And Nick Saban is present and right there and, and kind of accessible. Uh, so I figured that was that was maybe kind of it. So no, that was that was a great breakdown. Um, Eric Evans of Roll Bama Roll, he is the site manager there. Uh, definitely go check out some of their content, especially in the coming weeks. Uh, we got about two weeks before the uh, these two teams match up in Miami. Eric, uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Can't wait for this game.
2: Thank you for having me too. Can't wait to watch it.
0: Big thank you to Eric Evans of Roll, Bama Roll. He is the site manager there. Uh, again, great Alabama content uh, if you're looking to get studied up uh, on Alabama football before this matchup between Oklahoma and Bama uh, in Miami. Again, really, really excited about that. He had some great, great insight there. Loved the discussion about uh, Bear Bryant and, uh, and Nick Saban as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, He's a pretty insightful dude, so I'm glad that we're partnered with him and that he's over on the other side and we're gonna continue to produce some content with uh him and the rest of those dudes over there good people
0: good stuff so yeah keep uh keep your eyes open for that not only on their website but ours as well yep uh, on the Crimson and cream machine so um before we get into some ou basketball give our uh, our picks for uh the game on the 29th. I don't know if we do. We need to do that this far out? Maybe that's no. We, we don't. Do we actually week. don't need
1: to. Do, we can do it if you want to. I mean, I guess, it, 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 we'll then, have another uh, podcast. Have it, yeah, yeah we're not gonna
0: we're not gonna write it in stone. Just in just in pencil. We're so. we're
1: gonna yeah. We can Matt can change his pick between now and then. I'll keep mine the same.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what could possibly change in between now and then. I guess like if Tua uh, like disappears off the face of the earth. Um, I guess that could change my selection. I don't know what. Well, yeah, what I, mean, a, I don't know what apart from that would change my prediction, unless stuff I just get nervous.
1: Coming out about him maybe being questionable to play in this game, I don't really see any scenario in which he doesn't play. But I, I feel like they're gonna do everything they can to get him out there. But
0: so we'll, we'll give you away. Like I said, in in pencil, uh, one that is uh, could change, might not change, just depends. Uh, but before we get into that, weekend plans. Oh, uh, seeing Tyler Childers at
1: the uh, Tower Theater on Saturday night—he's pretty damn good. I saw him at Kane's earlier in the
0: week, but uh, seen him twice in one week. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I
1: mean, both of them sold out like the day tickets went on sale back in June. So, I mean, he's he's kind of a rising star, I would say, as far as uh non-mainstream country is concerned. So, but yeah, he's talented as hell. You should give him a listen if you haven't already.
0: Yeah, uh, that's not somebody I'm pretty into music. I've never heard of. Oops, his like uh, his
1: album was produced by Sturgill Simpson. Do you know who Sturgill mm-hmm. Simpson yeah. is? Okay, so there you go. That's sort of how he We've had uh,
0: uh, Sturgill Simpson and Jason Isbell references on this podcast. So There you go.
1: That's how I like it.
0: There you go. Um, That's cool. Uh, my weekend plan, you know you know how sometimes people ask you your plans just so they can tell you theirs? <laughs> I think that's kind of what's happening here because I'm real excited to be going to a Broncos-Browns game on oh, Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah, I will be get to, I'll get to see uh, Baker Mayfield play. Uh, cousin has um, some season tickets up there in Denver, so hell yeah, really excited. Yeah, I'll be flying It'll be out. Cold, but yeah, that be it's cold. actually it's really not going to be that bad. I was surprised to look at the forecast and see it will be in the um, mid to lower 40s. That's not bad. Not bad at all. No. And uh, there's a I think there's a difference between Colorado cold and Oklahoma cold. With Oklahoma, it feels like you have that wind whipping all around. Yeah, and I don't know if humidity plays into that as well. Oh, it I'm does. Sure. Yeah, I'm no. Sure if does.
1: you get like I lived in the Florida Panhandle for a bit. On the rare occasions when it does get down to that temperature, it is like a biting cold. Like, I mean, it it just feels so much worse. And maybe it's because you're conditioned to uh, not experience that kind of stuff when you're in Florida. But I, I feel like the humid cold is a biatch. Uh, yeah, it, so. it sucks. It, it's the same way in New York and Boston where it's also pretty humid. So, yeah, humid cold is it, it's a legitimate complaint.
0: I, I I'm, I'm I'll layer up. I'll also make sure to uh, drink plenty. That will always that'll help. Yeah. Yes, it, it certainly will. So. Shouldn't have
1: trouble finding a tailgate at that. Stadium. No. As much no. as I hate the Broncos, they have some pretty good tailgates. Absolutely
0: team, so. not. And uh, I'm only gonna be there for like 48 hours. I've I've got like like I've got to work and stuff next week. So yeah. Uh, I had some airline miles saved up and nice. decided to take the weekend trip there. So yeah, I'm I'm real excited for that'll that. Be, That'd be awesome. Yep. Yep. Like I said, just 48 hours. Wish I could stay there longer. Really wish it Baker could, will probably
1: it. get a win too, cause the Broncos are They're ass. bad.
0: They're terrible. They're so bad. I wish they were like a little bit better, just for my enjoyment sake, and yeah. just so I could hear the. But you uh, can just cheer on Baker Mayfield, mile high. And yeah, watch
1: him just shaft them. So
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of wanted to take in the uh, mile high atmosphere, and I guess maybe before the kickoff will probably be the best time to hear. Absolutely. That if, the, if the game <laughs> goes as we think it's going to, so here we go. So there's uh, there are weekend plans. Oh, you basketball. I know that uh, they're playing USC at the BOK Center.
1: Yeah, Saturday night. I, I'm interested to see what kind of crowd they get for that. But you know, I guess being at night certainly helps. And you know, a lot of Tulsa people don't really get the opportunity to uh, see this team that often. So uh, you know, maybe they'll have a decent showing there. Maybe a little bit better than what we saw uh, against Wichita State for uh, at the peak. But you know, I they should have Jemani McNeese back, and USC is. A poorly coached basketball team, so uh, they have some talent on that roster. But uh, they were destroyed by TCU in their last game. I think it was 96-61. to 61. Yikes. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a bit of a train wreck, so I think there's a chance that, especially with McNeese back uh, in the fold, that this veteran Oklahoma team who plays very good defense will probably handle them pretty easily.
0: Over- overachieving. Fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I mean just in yeah, terms of the were, on on paper talent level, I'm not trying to oh, uh, I mean, like and, the guys this team all.
1: is more talented than people may realize. I mean, there's definitely some athleticism on this roster, but at the same time, they were picked finished eighth in the Big Twelve in the preseason. So, you know, I it, I guess you could say yeah, it is an overachieving basketball team. But like I said, yeah, it's not these aren't scrubs by any means. Chris James is a legitimate player, and there's a lot of athleticism on this team. So.
0: Fair enough. That's uh, uh, well. One more question about OU basketball tournament track. They're they're on the tournament track. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I think the most reeks. I mean, obviously, it's a little early for the uh, bracketology stuff, considering Never that conference play on. hasn't started for most people. It hasn't yeah, started absolutely. in the Big Twelve, but uh, I think it was. Oh, he was like sixth in Lamar Lenardi's. Uh,
0: are they lock- in the first four out? No, I'm just kidding. No, we are. No. <laughs> we are months away from talking about the bubble. Ugh, first four ugh. out. Last four in, all that stuff. That was stuff. a nightmare last year, but uh,
1: with OU being sort of an undeserving participant in the NCAA tournament last By year. By virtue but, uh,
0: of uh, Trey Young, basically. Yeah. Well, it, and I mean, they,
1: they had the RPI in their favor, too. So. Strength of schedule. Yeah. yeah, but they were, down the stretch, they were
0: not a tournament team. They did team, not so. beat the eye test, that's for no, sure. No, they did not. All right, uh, you want to give some picks on this, uh, this game that are subject to change? Uh, Sounds like you're not going to change yours. But. I was on the
1: Bama podcast last night, and I said Alabama 55, Oklahoma 49, so I'll
0: stick with that. That's really, really close to what I was going to yeah. pick. I, I'm going to say Alabama 55, same total. I'm going to say OU 37.
2: Mm. I'm say OU so U37, kind of a blowout.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And it's one of those games I think that the maybe final score won't be as um, in- indicative of uh, of how close the game is. Um, I just don't see how in this Oklahoma team can stick with Alabama for four quarters. I just Alabama think, is yeah. such a good team through four quarters, especially after halftime. Some of the adjustments that that Saban always makes are, are killers. So, yeah, I just think. Uh, then looking at that stable don't running. Un, backs. Don't
1: underestimate you know Riley's ability to make uh, offensive adjustments as well. But at the same time, I just don't picture this Oklahoma defense getting enough stops against Alabama. So certainly, certainly, that's what it'll come down to. I think.
0: So there you have it. Jack, good stuff today. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, we also want to give another thank you to our guest, Eric Evans of Roll, Bama Roll. He was fantastic. Yeah, had, had some great stuff for us. Keep an eye out for uh, some more content coming out between, uh, in conjunction with Roll, Bama Roll, but also uh, on both sides, uh, the articles that will still get put up. Again, keep an eye on both blogs, Roll, Bama Roll, and, of course, Crimson and Cream Machine. Uh, for Jack Shields, I'm Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to Oklahoma Breakdown. Boom.